0: Good evening and welcome to E-Bible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight will be study number 8 in Revelation chapter 1. And we're continuing to read in verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. Last time, we were looking at the word signified and we saw how God uses this word to indicate that the Bible itself is a sign, a sign that points to the reality, the truth that the Bible records. And we won't get into that again. We're interested in the last part of the phrase, the last part of verse 1. He sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. Now it says by his angel, and that would mean God's angel, and that would make this angel the angel of the Lord, or the angel of Jehovah, as he is often called in the Old Testament. Now, we could go to many verses, but we're just going to go to one place in the book of Judges in chapter 13. And we'll read a few verses there, beginning in verse 17 of Judges chapter 13. It says, And Manoah said unto the angel of Jehovah, What is thy name, that when thy sayings come to pass we may do thee honor? And the angel of Jehovah said unto him, Why askest thou thus after my name, seeing it is secret? So Manoah took a kid with a meat offering, and offered it upon a rock unto Jehovah. And the angel did wondrously, and Manoah and his wife looked on. For it came to pass, when the flame went up toward heaven from off the altar, that the angel Jehovah ascended in the flame of the altar, and Manoah and his wife looked on, and fell on their faces to the ground. But the angel of Jehovah did no more appear to Manoah and to his wife. Then Manoah knew that he was an angel of Jehovah. And Manoah said unto his wife, We shall surely die because we have seen God. This is a good passage for us to turn to in order to properly identify the angel of Jehovah to discover who he is and because the angel of Jehovah is referred to several times and Manoah sums it up concerning his meeting with the angel of Jehovah when he says to his wife, we shall surely die because we have seen God. Well, they saw the angel of Jehovah yet correctly and rightly Manoah knew that this was God himself appearing as the messenger of God. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the messenger of God. He is the angel of Jehovah. And we can confirm this another way. In addition to Manoah saying we have seen God, back in verse 18 of Judges 13, when Manoah asked the angel of Jehovah his name and the angel of Jehovah responded why askest thou thus after my name seeing it is secret now this word secret is Strong's number 6383 and it's closely related to Strong's 6382 and that word is found in Isaiah chapter 9 in verse 6, where it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Now there, the, the word Wonderful is that closely related word to secret. And notice how the Wonderful follows the language of His name shall be called. Just as the question was, or was put to Manoah, why askest thou thus after my name, seeing it is secret or wonderful? It is the name of Christ, because Christ is the child that is referred to in Isaiah 9, verse 6. Well, the angel of the Lord, uh, or the angel of God, the implication is in Revelation 1, verse 1, at the end of the verse, he sent and signified it by his angel, by the angel of God, who is none other than God himself unto his servant John. So there's, there's no question that John is the man that God used to write the book of Revelation. It also says this in verse 9. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. He he was on this island, Patmos, and God gave him this glorious revelation of the book that would become to be called by that name, the book of Revelation. It was the concluding scripture, the concluding divine word, the concluding message from God that would cap his communication to mankind, to his elect people. It was a glorious conclusion to a most glorious work. There has never been any writing that could ever come near to compare to the writing of the Bible, a writing that God began with Moses some 14 or 15 centuries earlier, and a writing that God maintained and established through many prophets down through the years up until the days of the Apostle John. And now it was coming to a close. The The canon. The Bible itself would be completed. And God used the Apostle John. And gave him. The tremendous privilege. To be the man who would receive. The final revelation of God. The, that is the recorded revelation. Of God's infinite word. And this word. Was sent by God. Carried by his angel, signified by the Lord, and sent to John. Now, the name John um, comes from the Hebrew. There's a Hebrew word and named Johannes. And the name John in the New Testament is used a good number of times and it is derived from Johannes. And that word in the hebrew which is well i think it's 3110 but it johanan comes from actually strongs 3076 and that is made up of two words which means jehovah favored or the grace or mercy of jehovah depending on how you would like to say it the one word means favor grace or mercy And the other word is derived from the word for Jehovah. So the name John comes from the Hebrew, which would mean the favor of Jehovah or the grace of Jehovah, something similar to that. And certainly the apostle John was an individual who did receive the favor and grace of God as the Lord Jesus selected him to salvation, and also selected him to be one of the twelve. And uh, he is a representative of God's people, of the elect, as he receives the divine revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let's move on into verse 2, and it says there, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ, And of all things that he saw. That is, John is bearing record or witnessing to the truth of the things that he is writing down in this book, of the visions that God gave him, of the things that he saw. This is really a similar statement to what we read in the Epistle of John, in the first Epistle, in chapter 1. And I'll read the first uh, three verses there, at, and, and beginning in verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So, in other words, God entered into the human race and became man, the Word became flesh, and that man, the Lord Jesus, was a real man. He was a true historical figure. He actually lived uh, in, in the precise manner the Bible says. He was born of a virgin. He grew up, as the Bible indicates, and he began his period of ministry, and he did miraculous signs and wonders all around the Sea of Galilee, and so on. And the Apostle John was a contemporary he was uh, a man like you and me just the ordinary person born like you and i have been born living at that time as you and i are living now and he encountered christ and the lord jesus chose him and his brother james to be apostles And therefore, they had first instant experience. They saw these things with their own eyes. They were able to handle Christ with their own hands, etc. They have personal testimony and witness to the things that we read in the Bible and, and we're just amazed. Could it be when we read the gospel accounts, and we read of Christ giving sight to the blind. Could it be that 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 uh, actually happened? Uh, we early on, as we hear these things, might wonder. It, it's just so incredible. It's so amazing. And then you read even more tremendous things. The, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. What incredible events took place long ago. We don't see anything like that today. There's no such thing anywhere near that going on anywhere in the world, nor has there been for almost 2,000 years. And so the world around us says those things aren't possible, and our eyes have never actually seen them, and and so we just wonder at the awesome events that are recorded in the Bible, and yet the Bible is a collection of witnesses that give testimony to the veracity, to the truthfulness of these historical events. And John is an individual who basically, when we read uh, that he bears witness... And in in Revelation 1-2, he's bearing record of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of the things that he saw for all intents and purposes. Basically, John is saying, like those today who put their hand upon a Bible and swear that they are going to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help them God. And then they sit down and we feel content for the most part that now this individual has sworn with an oath. He he has put his hand upon the Bible. Isn't that interesting that, that courthouses still use the Bible as an expression of utter truthfulness, of swearing that you will not tell a lie? The Bible is the symbol that our legal system uses as a standard for absolute truth. And men just put their hand upon it, but God has written the words in it, and he himself has declared that everything written herein is faithful and true. He says this a couple of times in the concluding chapters of the book of Revelation. But more than that, God declares in the book of Hebrews in chapter 6, in verse 15, I'll start reading there. And so, after he, that's referring to Abraham, had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. You see, what we're reading that God did He took an oath. He didn't have to do this. He did it for our benefit. He knows the weakness of our minds. He knows that we're but of dust and have feet of clay. And he knows that with men, when they swear an oath, well, that ends all strife. They are taking a vow. They they are declaring, yes, I will uh, fulfill the thing that I have agreed to, Uh, I am being very honest with you now, and I am guaranteeing that I will follow through. Well, God has written his word full of incredible promises. we, We can be true about that. There's no doubt that the things written in the Bible are just almost beyond imagination. To think that the evils of this world the sin, the wickedness, the awful things like murder and robbery and deceit and and all the ugly things that are just magnified no end in our day, that they will be gone forever in a day coming soon when when the Lord destroys this world and recreates a new world just that alone if that were all if it were only the removal of the ugly wickedness from this world when god created a new heaven and new earth if if that's all he was going to do we would we would think well this is super wonderful a world without murder a world without stealing and robbery. But it's not just a removal of evil. It is a world, a new heaven and new earth, that will last forevermore. And he is going to give his elect people a new resurrected body that will be perfect, pure, holy, good. They will always think right thoughts, They will always do right actions. Never again will there be an evil desire. Never again will they err from the way. Never again will these things harm them. There'll be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more death. And we just shake our head. Eternal life? How can it be? All we know is death and misery. How can there be a place of eternal bliss and happiness and love? Yes, we can admit that these things are, are so glorious, so wonderful, so fabulous and marvelous and, and beyond anything this world can even hope to come close to attaining to. Yet God says, They will take place. You can count on it. The things that I have written in my word will come to pass. He even says in a little while, as shortly they will come to pass. These things will happen. It is guaranteed because I have spoken them. I have declared them. This Bible, this book, is the testimony, the witness of Jesus Christ, and I confirm it with an oath. I'll swear so you'll know that I mean it. And so he swears by two immutable things. Immutable means things that cannot change, like men change from day to day or week to week. A man changes you might meet him one day, and then um, he he's of one mind, and you meet him uh, a year later, and it's a totally different person, it seems, because men can change. We're very changeable, movable creatures. But God is not changeable. He is infinite, unmovable, steadfast in all of his ways. And when he says something... He will bring it to pass. He will complete it, fulfill it, and make sure that it happens exactly as he declared it would. And so the one thing of these two immutable things, he tells us, in which it was impossible for God to lie. That is not in the realm of possibility. God cannot lie. And that is the great comfort, a tremendous encouragement for each child of God. We, we love the Word of God so much because it is true, just like the Lord Jesus Christ is the truth. We rely on this. We flee to it in a world of deceit, in a world that lies and swims in an ocean of lies It. It's not comfortable unless it's lying and telling some tale and story, but not the Bible. The Bible is a sea of truth. It is an ever-flowing stream of righteousness, uprightness, of purity and holiness. And it would be none of these things if it were not true in everything it declares, from Genesis through the completion of Revelation. In every word, every letter of every word, every statement, every idea and thought that comes from the infinite and brilliant mind of God is absolutely faithful and true. And we can count on it and trust it. And we can uh, lean upon it and cast our lives upon it and knowing that God will bring it to pass. Now, when you read, hebrew six eighteen and it says by two immutable things, and then the first one is listed, it's said to be that God cannot lie, but the second one it is not stated, and we wonder, well, what is that second thing that God is swearing by the second thing is his very person. it is the character of God that the Bible reveals it is his holiness and his purity and if he says something not only is it impossible that it be a lie but the very being that we know as god confirms it everything about god confirms that when he says something it will happen well we're we're just greatly thankful we're just so happy that God has given us this kind of record of himself and of things that will come to pass. It is very comforting as we go through trials and afflictions, as we experience hardship and difficulties in this world, to know that it won't be forever. Yes, it's a momentary affliction, and, and yes, it may last for a period of days or months or years, of time, but what is time, any length of time in comparison to an eternal weight of glory that is soon to be revealed. Well, let, let's go on reading in Revelation 1 into verse 3 where it says, blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. For the time is at hand. Now, the first sentence of verse 3, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy. Blessed are you, and blessed am I, and blessed is anyone that readeth the Bible. You know, we can spend time reading any number of things. The world has no shortage of things to read. The book of Ecclesiastes says in the making of books there is no end. You can go to any library and, and you'll see just thousands upon thousands of books. Men love to record their thoughts. And yet if we read um a novel a non fiction novel, and what does that mean? Not true. If we read that, is there any blessing? We might spend some time caught up in the story, and and maybe it interests us or excites us. But at the end, is there any blessing in, in the hours we spent reading it? No. How about if we read the newspaper, and we're reading whatever section, sports, entertainment, the daily news. We're, we're reading of the things happening in the world, and maybe we spend a half-hour-hour hour reading the newspaper. Is there any blessing after we're done reading the newspaper? No. Well, we could think about all kinds of things that we might spend our time reading, and we do, and then ask yourself, is there any blessing when I have put in the time to read this? And you will find the answer is no. There is no blessing in reading the things of the world. You will only profit in the slightest way, perhaps with a chuckle, perhaps with uh, gaining a little bit of knowledge about something, but there will be no spiritual blessing. The only thing in this world that is able to provide a spiritual blessing is the Word of God, the Bible.